say, interesting uh, Sunday because it's, it's kind of a holiday, kind of not really. Kind, I, think, I think one of, the, one of the things that contributes to the reason that, way, that Palm Sunday is the way it is um, is because not a lot of people know how to celebrate it. And, and I think that, that what we did with the palm branches, I think that's good. And the reason I say that, uh, the reason that I'm letting you know that I think that's good, is because until the end of the message, it's not going to sound like that. Uh, so full disclosure, I appreciate and I love everything that went into uh, Palm Sunday, like preparation for it, and um, I'm glad that we do celebrate it as a church, and I commend that, and um, I think we should take Holy Week a little more seriously, and, and I think we're doing that when we do this, and um, just, th- this, is, this is good, you know, coming in with, with palm branches, welcoming God, but I think that maybe um, the discontinuity between the way that we celebrate Palm Sunday and the way we think about Palm Sunday needs to be addressed. And, and what I mean by that um, is, is, like, why do we do this? Um, and, and, and I think in, in looking at the texts of Scripture that deal with this thing, um, we're going to find out that we do it for a completely different reason than we actually thought we did. Um, and, and so that's what I kind of hope to do today. And so uh, with, that, with that goal being stated to kind of change our minds about what's going on with Palm Sunday, uh, let's, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's just ask that God would, would be among us today. God, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing that will um, bring you glory apart from uh, you preparing my heart to do those things. And so God, um, all of the good that comes out of this is, is, is credited to you. All of the life change that, that's impact, that, that, that happens during this service is credited to you. Um, God, I, I pray that you would, you would come and be with us that you would come and help us understand this, this difficult passage of Scripture. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for coming and uh, dying on the cross for us. In your name I pray. Amen. So, um, let, let's just go to Scripture. First off, let's, let's just go to Scripture because I want to I figure out why are we celebrating Palm Sunday. Uh, so so let's, let's, let's go and read um, the first gospel account of Palm Sunday. We're going to go to Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And let's uh, throw that up there, if you would. Um, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Key verse right here. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the full of a beast of burden. Okay, I'm going to stop there real quick. Um, and I'm going to go to... Uh, we're going to go uh, to Zechariah 9.9, if you can. Uh, if you can get there real quick. That uh, is going to be what the, the, this, this passage is quoting from. Right? Like, um, Zechariah 9.9 is the prophecy that was fulfilled by, um, by this event happening. So in the Old Testament... What happened was the, the prophet Isaiah, or I mean, the prophet uh, Zechariah um, prophesied this event 400, 500 years before it happened. And so what, it, what he was saying was that the, uh, the Jews, um, their Messiah would come to them on a colt, right? And so uh, this is happening you know, th- this is being written 400, 500 years before it actually happens. Um, and so, uh, as we keep going, this is going to make a lot more sense. So, uh, let's, let's, let's go and read some more of Matthew. Oh, you got Zechariah 9 on there? Uh, go back to Matthew. <laughs> um, we're going to keep reading Matthew, and uh, we're going to see how Matthew is kind of orchestrating this passage to, tell, to, to prove a point, Okay. So the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them um, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on their coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Okay, what does that mean? So get your mind out of the fact that you're an American Get, the, get your mind out of the fact that this is the 21st century. People did things differently here. This is the first century AD. This is Rome. This is another country. This is another empire. This is the ancient Middle East, okay? And so we are not uh, thinking about things, usually when we come into church, in an uh, ancient Middle Eastern context when we look at Scripture, and we should be. Right? It's not American. The Bible wasn't written to George Washington. The Bible wasn't written uh, to Americans. It was written to uh, specific people groups in the ancient world. Right? And so um, one of the things that we need to understand is, okay, why did they lie the cloaks down before him? And also, why palm branches? Right? And so here's what, here's what the answer is. Um, the significance of... Cloaks. If you want to go to, uh, let's see, 2 Kings um, 9.13. That is the passage where um, Israel is debating. Uh, like, there's this, there's this kind of like, here, let's, let's just read it. He said, uh, what are these cities which you have given me, my brother? So they called the land... Oh, wait, did I give you 1 Kings? I think it was 2 Kings. Yeah, so, so 2 Kings. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to explain it because it's, it's a lot easier to explain than to, to read. So, like, um, this, this king is being coronated, right? And um, he, he's not really the rightful king. 
And so God sends his prophets to the rightful king, and the rightful king um, doesn't believe it. He's like, no way, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm definitely not the king. And so what happens is uh, he tells uh, the military leaders of Israel, who he was in the meeting at, with at the time, that the prophets interrupted him and told him he was king. And so he, he goes and he tells these military leaders, and the military leaders, what they do is they actually cast their cloaks on the floor like for him to walk on, for him, like, they, as a sign of, okay, yes, you are the king, uh, they, they cast their cloaks on the floor. And what, what's interesting is that the palm branch, right, the, uh, the palm branch is a, another symbol, but it's not a Jewish one. It's not from the Old Testament. Uh, I, I don't think, like, I think there may be some arguments, there might be some cases where it's from the Old Testament, but I think what it's really from uh, is this historian, and his name is, um, his name is, oh man, Suetonius, and he's writing a book of, um, on, on, on the Caesars, the Roman Caesars, right, and he says that the, uh, can, can I get that quote by him, um, Suetonius, he says that, um, Let's see where it is. Okay, some Jewish coins from the first century had palm leaf branches on them with the inscription, the redemption of Zion. So what that means is that Jewish money back in the day was basically saying, hey, we want to be redeemed. We want to be our own nation again. And so because they were under a Roman empire, this was actually like very, very... um, culturally dangerous, right? Like, they, they could incur Roman punishment for this, but, like, their coins were saying, we want, I mean, I don't know if the Romans necessarily got it completely, but their coins were saying, hey, like, we want Israel to be, um, to be autonomous, to be uh, its own thing, right? And the reason that we know this is because the palm branch. And what the palm branch does in the ancient world is whenever a king would come back victorious from battle and that he was bringing peace, um, whenever, whenever peace was happening uh, and the war was over, palm branches would be laid out on the, on, on the king's path as he was coming. So we have um, a prophecy being quoted by Matthew, Right? We have a Jewish prophecy from the Old Testament being quoted by Matthew, Matthew, a messianic prophecy, which is like, hey, this is your God, this is your Messiah um, coming to you, right? Then we have the, um, we have the Jewish symbol of a cloak being laid down, right? And all the people that's coming to Jerusalem are Jews. They know what they're doing. They, they're proclaiming Jesus as king. Then these other people... Um, the, the, like they, they, they adopt these customs. They're still Jews, but they adopt the custom of the Gentile uh, world where they lay down palm branches uh, and, and, and they hail Jesus as king uh, by saying he's going to bring about a new era of peace. And like, like the, the passage just keeps building, right? So um, then they start quoting from Psalm 118. Can we go back to the Matthew passage real quick? And they're going to start quoting from Psalm 118. Uh, the crowd's going ahead of him, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, which is a Hebrew word for save us, uh, to the son of David. 
Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay. This is where I'm going to tie it together for you guys that are like, what in the world is he talking about? So, Jewish Messiah, prophecy. Matthew, make sure to include that detail, right? The cloaks, the palm branches. And now, Psalm 118. What Matthew is doing is this entire passage, he's painting Jesus as a king. He is painting him as ruler of the Jews, ruler of the world. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Jesus is it. He's the king. But what do they call him in the last verse of Matthew? They call him a prophet. Now they rightly call him a prophet. I'm not saying he wasn't a prophet. But I'm saying these Jews hailed him as king. They, 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 they did all of the customs that they knew how to do to make sure that Jesus knew, hey, we know you're king. Like, we know that you are coming here with kingly authority. We're, we're putting out the palm branches. We are putting out the cloaks. We are quoting Psalm 118 to you saying, hey, you are our Messiah. And then, last part of the, that passage, what do they do? When, when they were asked, they said, he's a prophet. Now there's, do you see the disconnect? Do you see the tension? Do you see how that doesn't make sense? Why, why, why did this passage not say king? Why, why did that, why was prophet the thing that they focused on? And I want to kind of uh, go over the next gospel account. We're going to go to Mark 11, and we're going to focus actually um, on verse 11. Okay, so, so like, um, yeah, let's, let's read the whole thing first, but we're going to focus on verse 11. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside on the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and, he, and they gave him permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread holly branches, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See that psalm again. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Now watch this. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, 
He left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. He, he, he has like a group of people, just a nation, saying, you're our king. You know, you, like we're, we're, we're bringing out every single thing to show you, hey, we recognize you as king. What does Jesus do? Goes off with the twelve, goes off with his friends to teach them. He doesn't care. He, he, he doesn't care about fame. He doesn't care about popularity. He just, he just goes off with his, his close friends and says, hey, let's talk about God. And, and I, wonder, I wonder if we would do that given Jesus' situation. Hey, you can rule a nation. And it's okay. I'm going to go over here and, you know, um, just... just hang out with my friends, or hey, you can have riches, you know, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm just going to, like, go to this other town. Uh, so you have to see what, what the different gospel writers are doing here. There's a different focus in each of these gospel uh, accounts. Matthew was painting, painting Jesus as the king of the Jews. Mark is painting Jesus as a servant, right? A servant, and, and, and so now I'm starting to wonder, huh, wonder what the people think about that. Wonder what is going through the minds of these people gathered with the palm branches when Jesus just kind of pieces out. So we're going to go to Luke. And um, Luke 19 uh, is, is, is Luke's account of the same event. Guys, this is an important event because it's in all four of the Gospels, right? We're going to go to Luke 19, or yeah, Luke 19, 39 through 44. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from you, your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And so that's like an Old Testament term that means like, you know, you, it's, it's, it's basically like a military strategy, just surrounding, you know. That's, that's like the term for like there's no hope, you know. Uh, this, there's no getting out of this. You're, you're done. Um, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. So what, <laughs> uh, what, what what's, what's he painting them as now? You know, it's, it's so interesting. This is actually after, you know, like this passage starts and it says the Pharisees said, you know, rebuke your disciples. You know why they said that? Because they were chanting Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Pharisees, more than anyone, knew that Psalm was messianic. They knew that that Psalm, that the people were shouting, was, hey, we hail you as king. You know what the Pharisees were thinking? Oh no. 
I got a position with Rome. I'm sitting up pretty good. I have a lot of money. I have a lot of influence. I'm close to the empire that, that, uh, that is ruling us. I have protection. I'm doing pretty good right now. So if the Jews start to throw up a revolt, right? If the Jews start to go against Rome and they say, Jesus is our king, not Caesar. What happens to me? Oh, geez. I could get executed. I could, you know, there's a bunch of things that could happen to me and they're all not good. And so the Pharisees are like, hey, stop. And Jesus is like, if, if they were silent, the stones would cry out, right? And then Jesus goes on to prophesy something against the Jewish nation, something that happens in 70 AD. And what that is, is that the city of Jerusalem will be utterly obliterated. And that happens. And so why does this gospel choose to focus on the, the, the response of the Jews to Jesus and Jesus' response to the Jews. It focuses, the gospel, the gospel of Luke focuses on the fact that Jesus is not just a Jewish Messiah. He's Gentile, he's, our, he's every nation's Messiah. He's, he's, he's the Messiah to all people. And so, I, I, gotta, I gotta wonder, like, like after reading Luke, and after reading Mark, like, Jesus is a king, but they call him a prophet. That's in Matthew. In Mark, he's a, he's a servant. He goes off and shrugs fame off like it's nothing. In Luke, he kind of disses the Jews a little bit. He says that he's basically, um, you know, it's a prelude to him taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And so now what, what does John say about him? And this one's interesting. John 12, and, uh, we're going to go from 14 to 19. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, and as it is written... Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at first, at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also, the people went and met him because they had heard that he performed the sign. this sign. Watch this. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So there's a certain sense in which the Pharisees were like, this guy is unstoppable. This guy is absolutely 
getting us at every turn. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't stump him. We've asked him all these questions about the Old Testament and the law, and, and he's gaining more influence than we have. And um, we've, we've tried everything to stop this guy. <laughs> and, and, and so what do they do? They try to stop him again. They plot to kill him. And so, here's my question. We know what the Pharisees thought of Jesus, right? Like, that's been ingrained in our little church minds forever. Pharisees did not like Jesus. But here's my question. Can you really explain to me why this people that were praising Jesus, hailing Jesus as their king, a week later, can you really, do you understand that? A week later, they were asking, they were begging for him to die. Do we understand why that happened? And what can it tell us about the state of humanity? And what can it tell us about where we are? And so, yeah, we know about the Pharisees. But how, how did the people, how did the people do this? So and, and, and in an answer to that, I want to go to Psalm 118. And I want to see what the people were kind of quoting. And I want to see what the people were we're shouting, and I want to see. Um, I want to see what, what what was going through their minds when when they were, were chanting this. Okay, so let's go to Psalm one eighteen. The stone which the builders rejected has become the corner, chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, stop there real quick. Go back. How many times you... Just, just, just... This is... I'm, let, let, let's, uh, let's just go over here for a second. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come back to the message. But I just want to kind of like rant on something for a second. How many times have you ever heard, heard that, that quote being used and like, Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Like, this one... Today is the day that the Lord has made. Like, I will rejoice and be glad in it because today God made it, so let's rejoice. And that's a good sentiment. You know, like, it is good. And I'm not knocking that sentiment, but what I am knocking is not knowing where the scripture is found and not knowing what the context is. Okay, so, so this is not talking about today. It's not talking about yesterday. It's talking about the day of salvation, right? Because the chief... Like, let, let's go back. Let's go back to the very first verse of this. Let's go back. Go back. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Okay? Go forward. Let's, let's read it. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's keep reading. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, 
we beseech you, do send prosperity. This is talking about the ultimate day of the Lord, the, salva- the, the, the specific day where God brings salvation. And so what I'm not saying is that we forsake the, the, the sentiment that, you know, today is the, a, a good day because the Lord has made it. Like that, no, that's a good thing. We should, we should still say that. But, but maybe not in reference to this verse, because this verse is talking about something much greater, I think, you know? It's talking about your ultimate salvation, like the time when Jesus rescues you. And so, like, when you quote verses, make sure that that you know what they're actually talking about before we actually start to to post them on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, we we need to be Christians that, that understand our book. And, and, and that's just a little rant. That's, that's some, like, let's get back on to uh, the, the Palm Sunday and um, everything. And so, okay, here's, here's the phrase. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has forgiven, and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with the cords to the horns of the altar. Man, I wish they would have kept reading. Because all they said was, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. And so now that we've read all that scripture, I want to give you my take of what's going on here, okay? I see the Jews with their palm branches in light of history, okay? The Jews were constantly having like little revolts and insurrections that needed to be put down against Rome. Like the Jews were so ready to be free. So what's happening here? The entire Jewish nation is coming to one location for Passover. They are amassing on the Jewish capital Jerusalem. That's the city they care about. That's the city they love. Every single Jew, it seems like, has heard of Jesus. Every single um, expectation of every Jew, I think, that comes to Passover that year, it's time for the first battle against Rome. When Jesus marched and they were hailing him as king, they were thinking, what can I get out of this? Can I? Can can I help bring Jerusalem back to its glory days? Can I liberate Israel from Rome? Because they, they were hailing Jesus as king. They heard that he did miracles. They were like, let's take back Jerusalem. Why do I think this? Because because of all the evidence in history that points to the Jews hating Rome. You know, like, like the Pharisees didn't hate Rome. But they were the upper class. They were the few. The common man, they wanted to get out of Roman anything. And so what was happening here is super funny 
because they were crowning Jesus as king, but they were only crowning Jesus as king because he could give them what they want. And when he didn't, when he didn't give them what they want, and then he, when, he, when he went off to Bethany with his 12 disciples, they didn't care. The moment had passed. I didn't get my liberation. I didn't get my, my liberation of Israel. So what is this Jesus guy doing for me? So church, like, we need to see God not as a means to something else. We're not trying to get to God to get something else. We are trying to get to God to get to God. And that's the point. That's the point of the entire Palm Sunday thing. Is that, is that these people were doing this for the wrong reasons. And so I hope you did not come to church thinking we are imitating them today. I hope you didn't come to church thinking, I'm raising my palm branches because they raised their palm branches. That's not how it's working. Because all they cared about was what they could get out of it. Those very same people were the people that chanted crucify him. And I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be our church. Shouting victory when, when things go our way, but then when, when, when something happens, forget you, Jesus. You know, like, I, I don't want to be the church that, that is easily shaken by personal conflicts, by, by things that happen between us. Man, we love each other. We're the body of Christ. Like, we, we shouldn't be easily shaken by doctrinal differences. We shouldn't e be easily shaken by political affiliations. We are the church first and foremost. And, and, and we do not We, we don't run when Jesus doesn't give us what we want because Jesus is what we want. Jesus is what we want. And that is not, that's, that's not something that we say Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus this. We got to be ready to die. And, and these people, right? And this is why I said it, it would sound like I'm knocking this, right? Keep in mind, end of the message, okay? End of the message. We're, we're, not, we're not knocking the efforts of the people in our church that, that helped with this. I'm not. But, but we've got to think of it differently. We've got to think of Palm Sunday not as mirroring somebody. Not as welcoming somebody in the, because the truth is they they could care less about Jesus once he's once once they realize that the the thing that they actually want doesn't happen 
See, see, how, see how that goes? We're, we're not a Jesus plus church. We're, we're, just, we're just a Jesus church. Right? And so, um, I really hope that this is heavy for you. Because even in my life, even as somebody that's saved, I, I go to God when I want something. I go to God more when I want something than when I don't. And how messed up is that? Right? Like, like Jesus has given me everything I ever need, salvation in him, uh, plus like so much more. And, 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 and I go to him thinking, oh man, I, I, really, I really need to kind of just pray more so I can get this thing. What kind of, what kind of crap is that? You know, like on our part, like we, we, we treat Jesus like a genie. And the truth is, Jesus is all we should ever want, need, or desire. Amen. And so, so you're looking at me like, okay, so what? How are you going to redeem yourself here? You've just said that the entire tradition of carrying palm branches is stupid and we shouldn't do it. And Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Here we go. Let's go to Revelation 7, 9. Any day now, Joe. <laughs> After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and people and tongues, standing before the throne and the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Finally, eternity gets it. Jesus brings ultimate peace. Jesus brings ultimate comfort. <laughs> but what did these people do before they had their palm branches? And what did these people do before they were clothed in white? Uh, die. These people, the saints gathered around the throne of God, did not welcome Jesus like the people of Israel welcomed Jesus that day. They didn't say, God, give me what I want politically. God, give me what I want monetarily. God, give me blessings. No, they said, God, give me you. Standing there in white robes with palm branches just with no ulterior motive. They're already in heaven. They already have all they, all they need. But what do they do while they're in heaven? They worship. And so I'm going to close on that thought. That we, we worship not because of what we get. Uh, not because of what um, not because of what we can do with God or through God. It's not about any of those things. It's about himself. 
It's about Jesus. So as the band comes up, I, I, I really... I just think that maybe too much of our church service is focused on... And not, I'm not saying this local church. I'm just saying like the local church in general. Too much of our church services are focused on the things that we can get and, and, and the ways we can live our lives better and the quick steps to becoming better people. But let's, let's just take some time and focus on Christ. Let's focus on the one that redeemed us, the one that came to that selfish crowd, um, rejected the idea of being crowned king, rejected fame, rejected their messianic expectations in general. And he said, I am going to die. Instead of, instead of being glorified here on earth, I'm going to go to the cross and die for you. And that's, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that our God is loving enough that when we look forward to his return, we don't look forward to the things that he brings with him in his return. We don't look forward to the streets of gold or the mansions or the whatever you think of when you think of heaven, but we look forward to God himself.